Psalms 122 says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Even if the house of the Lord is hot, it is good to be here gathered with you on this beautiful Sunday afternoon. And it's, it's really, it really is a beautiful Sunday. Uh, and it's beautiful for a few different reasons. Number one, because the sun is shining. It could be pouring down, raining, uh, and he'd still be good. But it's, it's a beautiful Sunday because of that. It's also a beautiful Sunday because he's still on the throne. Can't nobody dethrone our King Jesus. Nobody voted him in. Can't vote him out. Amen. So I'm, I'm grateful to serve a king that his throne endures and lasts forever and ever and ever. The last reason it's a good Sunday is because we get to welcome in a new crop of covenant community members today. Amen. Let's thank God for that. Amen. That is exciting to see the Lord building his church. Matthew 16 to say it this way. Jesus says, I will build my church. What's beautiful about that statement, don't turn there. What's beautiful is it doesn't give me even the privilege of building his church. It doesn't even he's not even saying he's building our church. He said, it's my church and I'm building it. And so to see more people join into what the, the Lord is doing here at this local church just gives me uh, a great excitement. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 7. I'm eager to preach the word of God. Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be. Let me, if you can hand me that water underneath you. Wendell and Lanisha have made it back. They have been, they just got married. They's married now. They done been in Cabo and got them a little tan. So excited to see them. We love them. Matthew chapter 7. Uh, why don't you pick me up in verse 24? We'll just jump right in. Matthew 7 verse 24 says this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine, please underline this, and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on a rock. And everyone then who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall. I want to preach this afternoon from the topic entitled Two Builders. Uh, I wish I could be more creative with that title, but that's the best I got today. Two builders. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, for the ability to be able to gather around your word, realizing that we need your word. We are desperately dependent on you speaking to us this morning. So, Father, would you meet us today in this parable? Would you speak to us? Thank you for the work of Jesus Christ and the words of Jesus Christ. And as we read these red letters today, pray that you would speak deeply to our hearts. Many have walked in this room this morning with all types of issues. Uh, but the word of God, that's what I love about it. One seed, one word can impact all of us and all of our situations. So, Father, would you meet us? Help us to see Jesus this morning. What this church does not need is my opinion. What this church does not need is my thoughts. What we need is the word of God applied to our situation. So make this, these, these words on this page come alive to us today and dig down deep into the nitty gritties of our heart. In Christ's name we pray. Let everybody say amen. Two builders. If I was to ask you in this room about the building or the house that you live in, I'm probably going to hear something along the lines of, you'll tell me about the location. 
You might tell me about the neighborhood in which your house or your, the building you live in. You might tell me about the location or the neighborhood. You might tell me about the color. You might tell me how many windows it has, the square footage of the house, the number of bedrooms. You might tell me about the windows, where the kitchen is positioned. You'll give me all of these details. You'll tell me if you won it in a lottery or you'll tell me if you're paying a mortgage or you're paying a rent, if you own it, if you're renting. You will give me all sorts of details. But, but I'm pretty sure one of the details I will not hear from you is about the foundation of the house or the foundation of the building in which you live in. 99.9% of you have never pulled out a blueprint of where you live and looked at the depth of the foundation of the house that you live in or the building that you live in. What's interesting is the foundation is the most important aspect of the building. Like we're sitting in this room right now, our first service and second service is at max capacity, but none of you in here know what's underneath of this building. You do not know how deep the foundation goes, and a faulty foundation is absolutely dangerous for anybody to live in. Faulty foundation is dangerous for you to build a sky rise. A foundation that, that goes an inch deep, but the, but the building goes up high, that is a dangerous place, not even to live, but to visit. Because at any given moment, that thing could fall. What we see in our parable this morning, this parable that Jesus gives us, he gives us a parable on what it's like to build a house. But in his approach, really, there's two different aspects of this building. There is an individualistic aspect which talks about what you're building your life on. But there is also a corporate aspect talking about what we're building this church on. So in other words, a life that is built on the word of God is an indestructible life. But a, a church that is built on the word of God is an indestructible church. But a church and a life that is built on sand, it's only a matter of time before it will fall. And Jesus is going to show us here what it is like to build our lives on the word. And some of you in here have been faithful to that. You are building your life and you're making decisions and you're gauging that relationship and you're filtering all of that through the word of God. In our church, we, I don't know how long you've been attending here or if you're a member here, one of the things you'll quickly pick up is that we are a church that is passionate about the word of God. When Tashina opens up to sing, she's going to open up the Bible. When Felicia opens up to sing, she's going to open up the Bible. Jeremiah is going to open up the Bible before they even sing. And we do that because we want to make sure that the word of God is present. And when we're transitioning to songs, we'll read a scripture that's applicable to that song. And then the welcome person will get up and they will welcome you and they will open up a scripture. And then the, we'll ask for giving and tithes and offering, and we'll root that in the scriptures. And, and I'll preach, and I won't preach from anything else other than the Bible. Don't get it twisted. Some churches will preach from poetic books and therapeutic self-help books. I preach from the 66 books that comprise and make up this word of God. And then we'll end and do communion, and we'll read the word of God, and we'll end with what you call a doxology or a benediction which is rooting us back in the word of God. I'm just trying to tell you that we are passionate about the word of God. I see mom and pop Frazier here now. We, when we first moved in this place and there was no paint on the walls and there was no carpet, we literally wrote scriptures all over the walls. We literally wrote scriptures all over the floor and we did that to signify that we are building this church off the word of God. So when I read this text, it gives me joy as a pastor. You know how I want to go out of here? I pray that the Lord gives me 30 
35 years of being able to pastor this one church. And I pray to impact generations of Bible lovers to be more in love and have more affections for the word of God. Notice I didn't say more Bible lovers that can quote scripture. But I want to know, do you love it? I want to know, do you genuinely have affections? Can you not wait to read the word of God? And so what we'll see in this parable is Jesus is going to give us a contrast between a wise builder and a foolish builder. Now, this parable is not, and if you don't have any type of biblical background, a parable is just a story that Jesus tells to either make some point or conceal truth. He does both of those with parables. But this parable is not, some of you have never heard of this parable. It is not as famous as the prodigal son, and it's not as beloved as the parable, parable of the Good Samaritan. But I would argue that this parable is important purely based on its strategic location. Let me give context. It's coming at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has spent the last three chapters preaching the sermon. Matthew chapter 5, he starts with a sermon. Matthew chapter 6, he's still preaching. Matthew chapter 7, he's still preaching. I love Jesus because he, he'll preach. He don't got no clock in the back. He just keep preaching and preaching and preaching. And in this sermon, he's talking about how he fulfills the law. He's talking about lust. He's talking about anger. He's talking about loving one another and loving your enemies. And he's talking about divorce in this sermon. He's talking about fasting. He's talking about judging others. And at the end of the sermon, Jesus doesn't give them a warm, fuzzy welcome at the end. He challenges them with this parable. And in the parable, he's showing us that there is a wise builder and there is a foolish builder. And it would do us all well to identify this morning or this afternoon which one you are. Because everybody's one of them in the text. Let me, fact, let me read it. Verse number 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. The first word of that, of that verse begs our attention. Everyone. I literally looked up the Greek to see if it meant something different. Everyone means everyone. Which basically means that everybody in this room is a builder. Do not walk out of here and say that was a nice, cute sermon, but I'm not building anything. Listen to me. You are building your life on something. Here's the question that you need to get to by the time we get to verse 27. Are you building with wisdom or are you a fool? Now, I'm not going to call you a fool. Jesus is going to call you a fool this morning. And that's the question you need to get to. That's the question you need to answer because it is detrimental for you not to answer that question. Are you building in wisdom? Are you building in folly? All of us in this room are spiritual architects. Do not walk out of here and say, I'm not building anything. I'm just kind of living my life. I'm letting my hair down. I'm doing my thing. Now you're building on something. But there's two foundations that the text is going to show us, a solid foundation, which is the word of God or sand. And all of you in this room are building on one of them. And you need to answer that. Which builder are you? Now, when he talks about building, he deals with it by two different aspects of building, hearing and doing. Look at verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words and does them. The entire parable is focused on the one that does the word of God, obedience. But that's not to negate hearing the word. What, am I, what do I mean by that? It is absolutely important to your spiritual maturity that you gather here to hear the word of God. It is important to your walk that you gather. And I know you're like, uh-uh, Pastor, I can hear God for myself. 
I got a devotional life and you should have a devotional life and you should hear from God yourself. I am not telling you not to, but do not replace that with the authenticity of preaching the word of God. You need to gather here to hear God's word preached to you. And so he shows us here. He says, everyone then who hears these words and those of you who have trusted in Jesus, you weren't saved by osmosis. You were saved because you heard the word of God preached to you. That don't get it twisted. Everybody in here, you either heard a preacher preach the gospel or somebody pulled you aside and said, let me tell you about Jesus. Everyone that has trusted in Jesus had to hear the word, had to hear the gospel. Let me put Bible there because it's getting quiet here. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 says this. Three questions it asks. How then can they call on him whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without somebody preaching. Hearing is essential to your growth. Do you know how many people I run across and say, I'm not connecting, I'm not coming on Sunday morning. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna sit in my bed and and I'm gonna read my word because God speaks to me that way. Yes and amen, but you are limiting your growth by not hearing the word of God. The Bible tells us this morning to hear the word of God. So you should, I wanna place an emphasis on your personal devotion But don't allow it to replace the word. If that was the case, why when 3,000 souls are added in Acts chapter 2? Why does the Bible say, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching? Huh? That means that they did not devote themselves only to personal devotion. They gathered themselves. The Bible says daily they gathered themselves to hear the word of God. One of my favorite books is a book called Spiritual Disciplines by a guy named Donald Whitney. And in the book, he lays out a a bunch of spiritual disciplines. He talks about fasting. He talks about prayer and he talks about private devotion. And all of these are spiritual disciplines. But he introduces in the book another spiritual discipline. He says in the book that hearing the word of God preached is a spiritual discipline. Did you know this morning when you got up, you looked in your closet, you looked first, you looked at the weather and said it's going to be 98 degrees today. So let me look for something cool to wear. And you looked in your class, you put your clothes on, you took an Uber here, you got on the train to get here, you drove here, you walked here. You sitting here right now is exercising a spiritual discipline. It is just as much of a spiritual discipline as you fasting, just as much as a spiritual discipline as you, as you praying or reading your word. It is very important that we gather to hear the word of God. Here's what Donald Whitney says in that book. Here's a quote. He says, through the preaching of God's word, we hear God speak to us in a unique way that is different from when we read the Bible in private. Because of this, it's crucial that we hear the word of God preached and applied to our lives. I'm simply trying to say preaching is important. Some of you say, I'm only going once a month. That's all I can do. You're limiting your growth. You're stunting your spiritual growth because you need to hear the word of God. And I'm not talking about having a podcast pastor that don't know you. You need somebody that knows you, you're known by the church, and you're letting somebody preach to where it's convicting and it's encouraging. That's what you need. You need the word of God. And the word of the gospel is not just for non-believers. Like you do, like remember when Paul gets into Romans, he says in Romans chapter one in verse 15, he says, I eagerly desire to preach to you. Wait, you're preaching to a bunch of believers though. Why? Because yes, the gospel is important to get you saved, but the gospel is also important for your spiritual growth. Believers need the gospel just as much as a non-believer. So what we see in the text is Jesus saying, 
that we need to hear. Listen to me. Gospelist pulpits will pack churches, but it won't impact your life. You need a pulpit and somebody that's going to proclaim the word of God to you and make a, I mean, a hard declaration and a plea for the gospel. That is what we need on a consistent basis. So Jesus says, everyone then who hears these words, but that's not the focus. You know why it's not the focus? Because even the fool heard the word. But then he goes and says, everyone then who hears these words and does them. Jesus in the text pushes obedience. So in other words, he does not consider you wise because you've gained a lot of information. He does not consider you wise because you took notes. He does not consider you wise because you can quote scripture. He considers wisdom based on you doing something with what you know. He, con- he considers you wise not by retaining and reciting, but by living and doing. He said, blesses the man in, in, in the text that hears and does. And some of you in here, you think you're, you know, you think you're, you're, you're all that spiritually because you can, you know, you know some theology. And you know what predestination and the hypostatic union and the tulip is. You think you know something because you know what theology is, but in reality, are you living it? My grandmother used to say, are you putting shoe leather to the text? That's the question I have for you. Are you walking out what you know? If you're not, if you're simply hearing the word, Jesus says, you hear it, you don't do it, you're a fool. And you're building your life on sand. But building your life on the word of God is the only sure foundation. Obedience is what he's pushing. He does not just push hearing, but he says doing. 2013 was my 11th year anniversary with Ty, and we were living in Philadelphia, and we decided we were going to go on a, on a sushi date. But it wasn't just a normal date night at the sushi restaurant. She set it up to where one of the top sushi, sh- I can't say this, sushi chefs, you try to say that three times, <laughs> one of the top chefs that knew how to do sushi really well, he was actually going to show us how to make sushi. So he sat there and he pulled out all the ingredients and, um, in front of me and then he pulled out her ingredients in front of her and he began to explain to us and give us instructions on how to make a good, perfect sushi roll. Well, Ty is, you know, she's just more faithful than me. She's more disciplined than me. She listened to everything he was saying. About two minutes in, I'm like, I'm going to be creative. I'm going to rip this apart. I'm going to put more rice on this side and make it fat over here and make it kind of come like that. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to put the, you know, the, the seaweed. I'm going to sprinkle it on top. I had all these creative ideas in my mind. The sushi chef looked at it and was like, that's a mess. I, I don't know what that is. Now, here's what happened. Stay with me. What happened, the issue was not the sushi chef. The issue was not his instructions. One of us was obedient and one of us wasn't. And the one that was not obedient had a mess on his hands. But the one that was obedient to all the instructions, that one did it like it was supposed to be done. And many of you in here, like you, you're just retaining information, but you lack obedience. Text says you're a smart fool. That's what the text says you are. I'm not saying the text says, the text says you're a, you're a smart theological fool. If all you do is retain information, all you do is write notes, all you do is learn the Greek and learn the Hebrew, but you're not applying, you're a fool. Because wisdom is doing something with what you know. 
Wisdom is not just instructions and knowing. Now, this is going to get practical. In order to be obedient to the word of God, I wish I had something deeper. That means you have to read the word of God. Because what we do is we say, I'm not going to read it during the week. I'm going to just come on Sunday. You open up your phone. It's on the same scripture that we preached on Sunday. You have not read the word all week. I'm not even going to say the word. You should read the word like two or three times a week. Daily, you should be intaking the word of God. There shouldn't be a day. No Christian should go a day without the word of God. You mean to tell me you're making decisions, big decisions, and you're not consulting the word? You're making relationship decisions, and you're not consulting the word? How do we do that? It's impossible for us to grow in our dependency on the word if we don't read it every single day. And that should be convicting for some of you. The reason we don't read it is because it actually takes work. It takes work for you to get up 15, 20 minutes earlier, spend time in the word. You'll leave your phone at home. You'll go back to the house because you can't live without the phone. But for some reason, we'll go through our whole day and be like, oh, I didn't get in the word, but it's okay. I'll do it tomorrow. Why do we do that? We need to read the word of God and we need to read it on a consistent basis. And Jesus says here, he's basing wisdom on hearing the Sermon on the Mount more broadly than that, hearing all of his words and even broader than that, all of scripture, because all of scripture is inspired by God. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for instructions in righteousness. What are you building on in this room? Are you building on friends counsel? Or are you building on the word of God? I'm just going to be honest. It takes work. In fact, the, the parallel, the, so, you, you know, the synoptic gospels, actually, sometimes they share the story. They'll give a different angle on the story. And so we're reading out of Matthew, but Luke 6 also talks about this same parable. And in Luke 6, this is what the writer says. Everyone then who comes to me and hears the words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house. Look at this detail, he adds, and he digs deep. Y'all know that takes work to dig deep. And the problem is most immature Christians want to lay granite countertops and hardwood floors when mature Christians are grabbing the shovel and still digging. That building that just got put up right here across the street from McDonald's, I walked back that, by that thing for months. When I tell you they built up pretty quickly, but they dug down for a long time. They were digging and digging and digging, and you're trying to get to the housewarming party when you should still be digging. Some of you in here aren't digging enough. I hate to sound angry, but you're not. And I, don't, I just don't know how, as believers, we go through life and we don't dig down to the word. Here's what Jesus says, you're a fool. That's what he says. Now, let's get back in the text because the contrast, so it's wisdom to hear and do. But look at the contrast, verse 26. And everyone then who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Sand here represents anything that's not the word of God. Sand here represents you building your life off of your degree. Sand here represents you building your life off of your money and your, your charisma, and your position, and your title, and your platform, and your giftings. Some of you are building your life off of what the gifts that God is giving you instead of building it off the word. And as a corporate body, the same can be true for us. The truth is, sand is us building a church off of programs. 
building a church off of childcare ministry and building a church off of the music and social media and marketing. The only thing that will sustain in the storm is building it on the foundation of the word. That's your life and the church. We must build off of the word of God. The Bible says that it's foolish to build on sand. When I was in high school, I used to play football, and in the offseason, my coach would, we played, I lived in the Jersey Shore, my coach would invite us to the shore, to the beach, to, to run. Now, in my mind, I'm like, cool, you know, I put on my running sneakers, I thought we were going to run up the boardwalk. He says, take those shoes off, you're going to run a mile on the sand. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to walk on the sand, let alone run on the sand. Sand is an unstable surface. It literally shifts right under your feet. And so when I'm on sand, in my mind, I'm reading this going, why would anybody want to build a house on sand? But then I remember Jesus said, because he's a fool. In fact, the word, man, this is crazy. The word that Jesus uses for fool here is, a, is, is moros. It's literally where we get our word moron from. But I'm going to take it a step further. Jesus doesn't just use it as moron. If you look at how Jesus uses this in the Greek, it literally, moros literally means stupid moron. That's what Jesus, like, I'm not trying to be offensive to you. And if you feel cut, rip this out the Bible. But it's going to be in another Bible when you pick it up. <laughs> and you can't rip it out your phone, so it's going to be on your phone as well. Wisdom is not building on sand, but hearing the word of God and doing it. Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and fools despise instruction. Nothing. We haven't even talked about the storm yet. We're still talking about hearing and doing, but we haven't even talked about the storm that Jesus talks about in this parable. Because what will happen is the house that is built on the sand will not be able to endure the storm. So in other words, your education won't save you. Your zip code won't save you. What you drive won't save you. What you put on your back will not save you. Your position, your title will not save you. When the storm comes, the only thing that will save you is the word of God. That's it. And so a life that is built on the word will be tested by storms. Notice something here. Look at verse 25. Literally, verse 25 and 27 start the exact same way. 25, he says, And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. Notice here that the storm came on both houses. So in other words, you weren't in a, this guy wasn't in a storm because he built the house in folly. Even the wise builder endured the storm. So let me help you. You will go through a storm. Don't believe the preacher that says come to Jesus and you'll have no storms. Now you come to Jesus and you still get lit up. In fact, you get lit up more than you would have if you didn't come to Jesus. But you need to learn to appreciate the storm. The text says, this is not a passing shower. It says, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew. Any one of those elements by itself could have taken out the house. But this is a Category 5 hurricane. God sends all of them at the same time. And we need to learn to appreciate the storm. And the reason we need to learn to appreciate the storm is because the storm exposes the foundation. And many of us are running from storms. You came in this morning with a storm cloud over your head. And if you get depressed as a Christian by a little shower, the text just said the, the rain fell, the floods came, and the wind blew. 
So you will go through. I know you came in this morning. It's too hot to be telling me I'm going to go through. You're going to go through. You're going to have a storm. Six o'clock this morning, I got up and I prayed for our time this morning. Some of you, your face came to my mind and I prayed for you. And when I got up this morning, I went down into, I got a little uh, office area and my books are down there. And I was looking through my books and I, I found this book. And I remember my father gave me this book when I first went into ministry. When I first sensed the calling, my father said, man, you need to read this. It's a book. It's called Preaching Through the Storm, Preaching Through a Storm by H. Beecher Hicks. It's an old book. And the book literally is about what the title says. The book is about how this pastor is preaching through a storm that broke out in his church. And the storm was so severe that it almost took the church out. But towards the end of the book, the storm resides and peace is restored. But here's what's interesting. He ends the book with a chapter that says storms keep coming. I'm like, that's an anticlimactic way to end a book. Peace is restored. Let's just stay there. No, he ends it by saying, no, but another storm's coming. That's an anticlimactic way to end the book, but I promise you it's consistent with your life. And some of you that have just got out of a storm, brace yourself because you're going in another one. But we don't have to worry because our, if we've trusted in Jesus and we're really obedient to Jesus, we're built on a sure foundation. Now, here's what's interesting about these houses. Both of these houses on a sunny day are identical. Nothing in the text tells me they weren't built with the same material. Nothing tells me they weren't the same amount of stories that had the same windows. And here's what's crazy. On a good sunny day, you could be in a house that's built by a fool and not even know it because they both appear to be built in wisdom. The only thing that endured, like showed us the foundation was the storm. So we need to appreciate the storm. And some of you young ladies and You young men that are in relationship, before you say I do, you need to let that relationship get tested by a storm because you don't know what it's built on yet. But what helps us to see the foundation is the storm. We always say, I've got many of you that come to me and say, Pastor, I'm in the midst of this. Can you pray that I get out of it? That's not I'm not praying that I'm praying that God reveals which foundation you are building on. Because when you're building on a sure foundation, you ain't got to worry. The only ones that worry is they got sand underneath them. And the text tells us here that we don't know. You, it, all, it all appears wise until the storm comes. And once the storm comes, it shows us. Here, here's the last thing I, I kind of want to just lay before you about the word of God. This also shows us that the word of God is indestructible. The word of God cannot fail. It cannot go down. What do I mean by that? Both houses might have used a durable material, but it wasn't the material they used. It wasn't because one of, the, one of the builders gave it an extreme home makeover. The reason these houses are standing or falling is purely based on the foundation, which means even the Category 5 storm cannot take the word of God out. Okay, let me put a little Bible there. Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 8 says this. It says, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God will stand forever. Put one more there, Matthew chapter 24, verse 35. Here's what Jesus says. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The word of God that we are trusting in, the word of God that we are applying to our lives is an indestructible word. It will not go down. You can bank all your chips on it. It will not go down. Now, verse 27 is going to end by saying, that this house fell that was built on sand. And then it says, and great was the fall. When I read this, it helped me to realize 
that this text isn't a comparison between a wise Christian builder and a foolish Christian builder. You know why? Because it says, and great was the fall, which means this is a believer and a non-believer, which means you need to check if you have no affections for the word of God, you are not building your life on the foundation of the word of God. This is not just like some light warning. It's a strong warning, and it may expose that you may not trust Jesus. See, we don't like to go there. Your lack of devotion to the word can expose if you really got affections for Jesus. You go weeks without reading the word of God. It exposes something deeper in your heart. Here's what the Bible says. And great was the fall for the one that built on sand. Here's why I worship Jesus, because Jesus took the fall so that I can stand before God. So there is no great fall for the one that is trusted in Jesus. There is no great fall for the one that has securely put their faith in Jesus. We're building on Jesus' words, which means we are secure 100% in Jesus. I don't know what you've came in here with this morning. I do know that you can't switch this foundation once the rain starts. You can't switch it once the floods start to rise and the storms start to roll in. You must switch it on a sunny day. And some of you have not trusted in Jesus. You're living your life. You even come here weekly. You just like the community. You like the coffee. You know, you like talking to people. You're just a social butterfly. And you just like coming here. But have you really, like, we need to do a building inspection this morning. You need to, real, have you really built your life on the word? And some of you have built, like, you have trusted in Jesus. But you lack consistency in obedience to the word. Like, I just, I, some of you I know. I know the story. I watch the wrestle. I watch you wrestle. You come in each week. You know how to do church. You know how to raise your hand. You know how to say amen. You know how to fool us all. But the foundation is going to get you at some point. The sand is going to get you at some point. Some of you are living in a lifestyle full of sin, but we're all fooled. You haven't told us, but God knows the foundation. So you may appear to be wise to us, but Jesus is like fool. You hear my words? Like, you read my words, but you don't apply? It's foolish. Now, here's how I pray that we would end. Like, verse 28 and 29. I don't have time to preach it. I got two minutes and 28, 27, 26. Like, I need you to go home and read verse 28 and 29. Because verse 28 and 29 says that the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And the Bible says that he was teaching as one who had authority. So they were cut. They were pricked to their hearts by this sermon. Are you cut this morning? Are you pricked to your heart? Because you know, here's the crazy thing. You know if you're building on sand. Don't nobody got to tell you. You know what you're building on. But today's a good day to switch that foundation. You can switch it today. You are not doomed and gloomed. You can switch it today. So for those of you who have trusted in Jesus and you're kind of running and living this life of sin, you need to switch that foundation. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians. It says, no one can lay a foundation than that which is already laid, which is Christ Jesus. Every head bow, every eye closed. Some of you, you, you know I'm talking to you. You, you just do. You know, like you, in your gut, you're like, Dad, he's, he, does he know my story? I don't. I promise you I don't. I'm not a nosy pastor. I'm not stalking you. But, I, but God is. And he knows, this. he knows that you're playing. He knows that you're building on sand. The Bible says great is the fall. That is a dangerous place to be. And what we need this morning or this afternoon is for you to switch that foundation. 
And some of you, you that, that's the, the ones that have trusted in Jesus but are playing. There are some of you who legitimately know that you have not trusted in Jesus. You've gone through religiosity. You've been connected to the church, but you haven't given your life to Jesus. You can switch that foundation today as well. Father, I want to pray for every single person in this room. Many of us, if we're honest, we lack obedience. But like we, we try, we want to obey. We, we kind of love your word, but we lack genuine obedience to you. Help us, Lord. Forgive us for taking notes and not applying. Forgive us for quoting scripture and not applying. Forgive us for telling other people how to apply, but we don't apply the word to our lives. Forgive us. Many of us have made decisions and haven't consulted your word, building on sand. Many of us have jumped into relationships and we haven't built on your word, building on sand. Help us this morning, this afternoon, to genuinely be obedient to you. Because when the storm does come, this doesn't say if the storm comes. When the storm comes, we have security in you. So help us, Lord. We want to we walk with you, Lord. But help us. Help our unbelief. Help our lack of trust. Help our lack of dependency. Shake and break everything in our life until we are left with you and you alone. May you be the most beautiful thing in our life. Because when we see the beauty of you, we see the ugliness of everything else. Give us you this morning, Lord. We need you, Jesus. Break us. Somebody in this room needs to be broken this morning. We need to repent. So, Father, would you help us this morning? It's in Christ's name. In Christ's name alone we pray. Amen.